Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. We believe this. We believe that if your Sunday didn't affect your Monday, then your Sunday doesn't count. And so we work hard over this 60, 65 minutes that we have on a Sunday morning to, to really bring the Word of God to you in a way that will make sense, but also make a difference in your life. And uh, momentum basically is this. Momentum is mass times velocity. The greater the mass and the greater the speed, the more momentum something has. We used a baseball and a, and a, and a, and a little Nerf ball a couple of weeks ago. And that Nerf ball, it had a little bit of mass to it, but it couldn't break the glass. We used a baseball that had more mass, same velocity that I threw with, but the baseball shattered the glass when I hit it. It shattered the glass uh, uh, where a Nerf ball wouldn't because of its greater mass. So mass times velocity equals momentum. We're, we're talking about spiritual momentum. How do we generate spiritual momentum in our life? It's one thing if you want life change towards better health or better financial management, but it's another thing entirely and something that every believer, every follower of Christ should consider, and that that is how do I generate change that is spiritual in nature that brings me closer and closer to where God wants me to end up, what God wants me to do. And so you and I, we are creatures of habit. You and I will continue to do what we've been doing until a greater force acts upon us. And the Bible is full of examples that there's there's strength to be gained, there's power when we're together with other believers. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst. Science tells us that you will become the average of the top five people that you hang around. You hang around good people going in a good direction, so will your life. And the merry-go-round, you know, the big metal thing that, that what used to be in most playgrounds. And, and you'd get a pile of bunch of kids out there. It's hard to get it going. It's hard to get that mass moving. But once that mass is moving and it's going, it's easier to keep it going once it gets going. And then it takes a long, long time for it to stop. And sometimes you and I are like that. It takes a while. Worship is like that sometimes on a Sunday morning. It's hard to get the mass moving, but once the mass is moving, then it's hard to get it stopped. To look at the frame of life, and look at other people's frame of life, say, man, they're seeing it wrong. They don't have a clue. But it's another thing entirely. When we start to consider it for ourselves whether it is the help of other friends or it's divine help, you're going to need some help because there will be things in life you're not designed to carry by yourself. And it's in those moments that you need to be surrounded by people who will help you to step into life, not step into death. Please, develop faith. You're going to look at life and the circumstances of life either through the filter of faith or fear. Those are two very real forces they're the foundation of what you know when the storms and the trials of life happen. It's your choice. Man, I don't know. I, I like that. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we, uh, as you've heard, been doing a series. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, this has been my favorite series that we've done all year. I mean, I'll tell you what. Uh, and uh, uh, we're talking about momentum. And uh, I... I 
I see it everywhere, and it's, it's, it's so amazing to me. It's so interesting to me, just some of the dynamics that, that we're talking about in Scripture and, and about our lives and, and how appropriate it is all through the Word of God. And I, I want to encourage you, we're going to take another step this morning and, and sort of try to pick up where we left off last week to, to maybe bring a little bit more depth uh, to where we have been. And as you saw some of the, 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 the recap, if you will, a couple of things that have really stood out to me, and one in particular that I've really been chewing on is the idea of the merry-go-round, and that, that, that a merry-go-round has weight to it, it has mass, it takes energy, your energy and my energy, to get that merry-go-round going, depending upon the weight that it might be on it, that kind of a thing, but as it, it takes a lot of effort to get it going, but once it's going, then it's a little bit easier to keep it moving, and, and, and it is the force of resistance that eventually slows it down and brings it to a stop. And I'm, I've been looking at that in our spiritual lives, that, that there's a lot of time, it's hard to get things moving in the right direction. We began this series talking about resolutions, which really is a desire for change, that, that we are... We've, we've acknowledged or we've admitted, we've found that there's some areas of our life that, that we, we are either stagnant in, we are at rest, an object at rest will stay at rest until it's acted upon by a greater force, or we're headed the wrong direction, and so an object in motion t- stays in motion. Basically, you and I will keep doing what we've always been doing. And so the spiritual dynamic, the spiritual idea for us in our lives, and, and we talked about it last week in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, and it tells us this. It says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. That there, there are basically two forces, two spiritual forces that are at work on, on the earth because of what happened, and God initiated it back in the Garden of Eden, and then the, 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 the force, the law of sin and death, and the law works every time. It works 100% of the time. That law of sin and death was at work from the garden through the time that, really, through where we are today. It is a, a force that is operating in this earth. It's like a stream. It's like a river. It's, it's got energy. It's got velocity. It's got movement to it. And you and I, in Ephesians 2, you and I were a part of that river. But a greater force, the force of grace... God's love and compassion and his mercy for us through what he did for, with Jesus on the cross. What happened? Jesus died. He stepped into that law of sin and death and a higher law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, liberated us and set us free. And so what I see is you and I standing here in a sense, we're, we're standing and there's a river on each side of us. One is a river, a force, velocity of life. The other one is the velocity of sin and death. And you and I have a choice to, with our mass, choose to enter into the spirit of life or the spirit of death. We read this scripture in James and, and, and I want to, this is really what I, I want us to see uh, uh, this morning, and, and kind of is, is my parting shot to you. It's sort of desk, desk clearing as well. But in James chapter 1 and verse 6, and this is where we talked about two frames of reference. It says, and, and, and James is talking about, you know, when you have trials and troubles. Anybody ever had trials and troubles? I heard I was, I've been blamed for several things uh, since we started this series. Somebody got a speeding ticket and blamed me because they were so excited and they had so much momentum that they just took off. I said to you last week that somebody's car is not going to start this week. There were two snow pl- snowblowers that did not start. I got blamed for it. <laughs> we're all going to have troubles and trials and tests. And so James is talking about that, and he says, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, he is a double-minded man, 
unstable in all of his ways. And I don't think that any of you set out to be unstable in your ways. I don't think any of you set out for 2019 saying, I want to be a person that is unstable, that can't make up their mind, that's in and out, back and forth, up and down. I don't want to be that kind of person. And so how do we develop spiritual momentum in our life? How do we develop those things? And again, when James says this, he's a double-minded man. He's operating from two frames of reference. And you and I go through life that way. We go through life kind of sometimes back and forth and up and down. And I know that it bothers you when there's people around you that that are indecisive and can't make up their mind. Bugs you. But when it's me that can't make up my mind, it's because I'm doing research. It's because I'm I'm studying. It's because I'm, I'm exploring all of my options. But in life sometimes we don't have that opportunity. We don't have that luxury of time. We don't have those things. And so... Double-minded means to operate from two frames of reference, and we mentioned a little bit last week, you can operate from the reference, the frame of faith, or the frame of fear. Now, let me just show you a couple of things on the screen. These are some very real clinically diagnosed fears. Here's the first one. That's an actual thing. You know what that is? That's the fear of being, that's the fear of Wednesday is what that is. That's the fear of being afraid, fear of being too cold, freezing. All right, the next one. I think some of you know what that one is. It's the fear of long words. I don't know why somebody had to do that exactly. It's like, you know, whose idea was it to put a, the letter S in the word lisp? I just don't understand that. All right, what's the next one? Anyone? You know what that is? Whoa, I almost sat down. That's the fear of sitting down. Can you imagine having, now these are very real, and I don't mean to make fun of it. I, don't, I guess I am, sorry, but, but uh, we'll talk about the next one in just a second. But, but here's the thing. This is a very real thing. Can you imagine going through life being afraid of sitting down? <laughs> That'd be horrible. That'd be, now, I've been in places I was afraid to sit down, but it wasn't because of a fear. It's because of what I saw. You know, you've been in some truck stop restrooms or, you know, I ain't sitting there, man, you know, all all those kinds of things. Here's the last one, at least that I want to mention. Anybody? You know what that is? I'm offended by this one. It's the fear of bald people. (laughs) Man, I'd love to go to church. I'd love to go to joy, but that guy's bald. I'm staying away from there, man. That is terrible. So so we have those, there's clinically diagnosed fear. And so I want to start this one. What is your fear? What is it that you're afraid of? What is it in life that stops you? Here, you're trying to develop some spiritual momentum in your life, and you're trying to, trying to get engaged with God and grow and all of these other things, and you're ready to take a step, and it's like a giant that goes, Rah! you aren't coming forward. And so we shrink back in fear. Some people, it's the fear of loss. Do you know that, that infomercials are based on this idea? How many of you, if you, unless you act now, you will miss this opportunity. But if you act now, we'll throw in this. It's the fear of loss. It is the fear that this deal is going to go away, so I'm not going to take advantage. I better be careful. I better be quick. I'm a sucker for buy one, get one. That's like free money. I mean, I don't even need it, but I want it because it's like, you know, I buy one, I might as well get the second one, right? And so, but, but advertising is based in this fear idea, and it might be the fear of the loss of health. It's a very real thing. Fear of the, you know, loss of your looks, 
I don't know if any of you participated in this. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Facebook did a little thing. Post your profile picture from 2009 and 2019. Here's my favorite one that I saw. Somebody posted their profile pic from 2009 and 2019. Trust me, honey. Your looks are going to fade over the years. Don't be afraid of it. Fight it if you want to. That's okay. Now, I, I encourage you. <laughs> I encourage you. Fear of loss is a very real thing. A couple of Fear of failure. Fear of failure is what keeps us in bondage sometimes, keeps us locked in from taking a step, from from maybe moving forward and pursuing a dream or a hope or a desire. There's the fear of rejection. Fear of rejection is very real. In fact, sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you've been rejected before and you felt the pain from being rejected. So rather than feel that pain, you built a wall and you put up a wall in such a way that, that now nobody can get through it. And it isn't, that, it isn't that people are rejecting or don't want to be around you. It's because you're forcing people away from you. And that fear of rejection holds us in bondage. And sometimes it's just the fear of the unknown. It's all the ifs and the whatabouts and I don't know. And, and if I do this, what might happen? All of those things are very real fears that stop us from moving forward. Now, maybe five minutes ago, you were laughing. I don't have any fears. Now you're like, dear God, I got all four of those things. I'm a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, God has not given you a spirit of fear. The spirit, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that you got engaged with When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, when you stepped into that stream, that river, that velocity, when the mass of your life stepped into the motion of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, fear was not a part of that. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but one of power. What's in that river and that stream? It's power. It's love, a sound, a calm, a well-balanced mind. You do not have to suffer with fear. You don't have to let fear stop you from moving forward. You don't have to. None of that comes from God, and you can live in freedom. It's part of our declaration as a church. We want to help you know God. Because when you know him, truly not know about him, not facts and figures, but you have a relationship with him, and you know him, it changes everything in your life. And not only that, we want to help you find freedom in your life so that you can pursue the very things that God has wired you to do. And many times, like a giant in our life, those things rise up and say, you're not going to step any farther forward because you remember what you used to be and you remember how it didn't work out last time and and you don't know enough and you don't qualify. And I was thinking, we've mentioned David the last couple of weeks and I want to take a a little step farther because most of you know, some of you may not. I don't want to assume everybody knows <clears throat> Bible stories because uh, more and more people don't. And there's, a, there, there's an incident in the Bible. There's David who we know as he became King David, uh, one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. And not only was he one of the greatest kings in their history, but he was also the, the, the beginning of the bloodline that led to the birth of Christ. And, and it was his lineage in his line. And so a very prominent character in the Old Testament. Well, David started out as a, as a shepherd. And really what happened is that the prophet 
came to his dad's house. His name was Jesse. The prophet came and said, one of your sons, you have a son in your house who is going to be the next king of Israel. And he says, do you, the prophet said, do you have, let's get all your kids together. So all the sons show up and he starts laying hands on each one of the sons. He gets to the last one in the line. He says, I don't know what's going on here. I know for sure that God said one of your children, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And yet it's none of these. Have you got some more kids? And he goes, well, yeah, I got one other one. You want to talk about being rejected, being forgotten? How many of you have ever, maybe you're looking at Facebook or something, and all of a sudden you see everybody else is at the party that you were never invited to? You always like to get forgotten. David was forgotten. And finally, you know, Jesse goes, hey, all right, I'll go get my other kid, brings the other kid, and boom, lays hands on him, and that's the next king of Israel. You have been anointed now to be the king of Israel. And the very next day, David, guess what he was doing? He was back, in the, he was back watching the sheep. Because there was some development that had to happen in his life. And sometimes between the anointing and, and the appointing, there, there, there's a gap because we need to grow. There's a process before the promise. And it's in that process before the promise that a lot of these fears have to be conquered. And so here's David and, and, and quick synopsis of his life. He, he's tending the sheep. He's doing what he's He's faithful. And he's out there protecting and doing all this stuff. His dad comes to and says, hey, your other brothers, they're at the battle. They're at the fight against the Philistines. I want you to bring them some bread and cheese because they're going to have grilled cheese sandwiches later. And so I want you to bring this stuff to him. So David is like, okay, here we go. You know, we're gonna... He's bringing the bread and the cheese to his brothers. His brothers are warriors and they're fighters. And he's like, woo do 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 And all of a sudden he gets pulled on and his brother's like, giant. What are you talking about? Giant. There's a big giant. All of a sudden the, the giant Goliath <laughs> presents himself. You bunch of dogs. Goliath, man, he's a huge man. If any of you want to fight against me, rather than go through all of this stuff of a big battle, just send one to fight against me. And if you beat me, you won't. But if you do beat me, we'll be your slaves. I don't know if he talked like that, but I think he should. <laughs> And if, you, if we beat you, you will be our slaves. And David does the most crazy thing. He drops the sandwich material making stuff and he steps up and says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? He understood something. He understood that Israel had a covenant, had a relationship with God, and that God would go before him, that God would be his strength and his shield and his mighty one. And, and, and before that, he had killed a, a lion and he had killed a bear. And David picked up, it's kind of interesting, he, he, he didn't take Saul's armor, didn't take anybody else's armor. He took his slingshot, he took what he knew, he took what he had at the moment. And it didn't seem big enough, and he picked up five rocks. Now, he only needed one to kill Goliath, and I've heard people say that part of the reason he picked up five rocks, I, I, I look at it this way. He knew that there was going to be unfinished business. He knew that something else was going to happen, but other people say that Goliath had four other brothers, and he's like, man, I'm going to take them all out right now because there's going to be a fight. And just because you beat the devil one time, just because you defeat the enemy one time doesn't mean there won't be a counterattack in your life. And so all of these things happen. He runs towards the giant, foo, pow, in the head, pow, falls down, pulls out his sword, knocks, cuts his head off. It's kind of gross, man. 
I think that when he got in his chariot, he hung Goliath's head to the rearview mirror, and he rode around town with that thing for a while. Just like, yeah, that's me, bad day. And the people are all singing, no, dude, you know, Saul's killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. Oh, it's awesome, David. We love David. But there's some things that David did. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is your current giant? We preach for application here. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, but it's only the truth that you enact or the truth that you act on. It's only the truth that you energize in your life, that you take to heart and begin to build momentum towards, make some changes in your life. And so what's the giant of your life? Some of you, maybe it's bills that you can't pay and they look so big, it's insurmountable. Some of you, it's family members that you can't figure out. Some of you, it's a past that you can't get past, and it's like a giant, and every time you're trying to take a step forward, your past rises up and says, "Uh uh-uh. The devil will always present you with an image of what you're not every time. For me, one of the biggest giants of my life way back that started me on a path of spiritual momentum was worship. I can remember as a teenager, and, and, and in my church, we, we had demonstrative worship, uh, you know, so, sort of, and, 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 you know, we would lift our hands, or others would lift their hands, and I, and I remember youth pastor encouraging me, the church encouraging me, let's worship God together, and let's, let's lift our hands before the Lord, and I remember it was a struggle, and it was a fight, and it was a battle, and I don't know why. It's kind of a pride thing. It was a knowledge thing. And I remember it was on a Sunday night, I finally got my hands in the air. Actually, at first it was, this is how I worshiped. I'd lift my hands like this. But eventually it was like, I got my hands in the air and I started to worship God. Actually, you know what I really was doing? He's like, oh, I made it. I got my hands in the air. I got my hands in the air and I kind of like look around. Yeah, yeah, better than some of those other people. They don't have their hands in the air. And we're singing a song. And after a while, I was like, I wonder how long I keep my hands in the air because my hands are getting tired now. My arms are tired. I'm, I'm sort of getting worn out here now, and I don't know, you know, do I, do I wait until the chorus? Do I wait until the verse? Do I, how long am I going to do this? And I, you know, and I got my hands up there. I didn't know what to do with that afterwards. But eventually, I got comfortable with a style, a form of worship that brought freedom into my life. But it wasn't so much that I was lifting my hands or that I was singing and other, you know, and there's a lot of expressions for worship that are listed in the Bible from raising your hands, kneeling before the Lord. Sometimes it's tears, sometimes it's joy, sometimes it's laughter, sometimes it is kneeling before the Lord, it's dancing before the Lord. Those are all expressions of worship. And we have to get past the flesh. And so maybe, maybe that's a giant for you that will spark some spiritual momentum. Maybe for some of you, it's actually to get your mass moving to the other side and get involved in growth track. Others of you, you've checked box one, step two, check, step three, check, step four, check. Maybe it's time to use your gift, develop your gift in serving other people. So you can start to make a difference. Those are all giants that need to be conquered for you to take some steps that will move you forward. That will will not only just change things in your life, but change things in the life of other people. So what's your giant? What is it that's holding you back? What is it when you go to take a step that all of a sudden it rises up? Because there's two frames of reference that you will operate from. You will operate from the frame of faith or the frame of fear. It's either faith or fear, and both of those are very real powers in your life. So let me give you about four or five things that will help you. First of all is this. I'm going to ask you to change your perspective. 
Change your perspective. If you weren't here last week, go online, greatjoy.org. Watch the message from last week. You'll understand a little bit more about this particular frame. But change your reference. Change your perspective. My hope and my prayer when you leave here every Sunday is that you've been presented with a perspective. You've been presented with a way of life that perhaps will change some of the things you're doing right now that will help propel you to, to, to future blessing in your life. Think about David. Think about David and his brother. Brothers. Because David and his brothers, here's David, his, his brothers, they all look like soldiers, dressed like soldiers, marched like shoulder, soldiers, thought like so, soldiers, and the giant shows up. Same giant that both of them saw. The giant shows up, started making declarations, and the soldiers hid in fear. David shows up. He's a shepherd. Looked like a shepherd, acted like a shepherd, thought like a shepherd, probably smelt like a shepherd. And he had a totally different perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, everybody else was in fear, and he ran towards the giant, and he defeated the giant. If you're going to change your perspective, if you're going to change the perspective of your life, and you're going to have to look at life differently than most people look at life. Let that sink in for a minute. You're going to have to see people can't see the frame that you have. And you have a choice. You can look at the stuff that, fear, that makes you afraid and say, I'm so afraid. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do it. Or you can look towards God. But you're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to think different than your friends think. You're going to have to think different than the world thinks, than the media thinks, than, than culture thinks. You need to surround yourself with people who have a similar frame of reference, a similar perspective, because that will give you strength in your life. And remember this. If you learn it wrong, what are you going to do? You're going to live it wrong. If you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. And some of you, thank God, you've, been, you've learned grace. You've learned forgiveness. You've learned some things. Maybe even growing up, you, you had some of the foundation of things that, in your life that, that bring you maybe closer to the, the character of Christ in your life. And because you learned it, it's easier for you to live it. But some of you learned mean. Some of you learned angry. Some of you learned bitter, and because you learned those things, it's easier for you to live those things. Some of you learned shame on you. Man, that was a common phrase when I grew up. Shame on you. Somebody, shame on you. It isn't that you did something wrong, it's you're wrong. There's something wrong with you. And if you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. And if you live it wrong... As much as you love God and God loves you, there are principles in life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death, and that law will work for you and it will work against you. And it isn't that God doesn't love you. He says, there's some guardrails. And if you'll just follow the guardrails, if you'll just follow the road, don't get so close to the guardrail. Don't bump up against the guardrail. If you live it wrong, learn it wrong, you're going to live it wrong. So you got to, again, you're going to have to look at life differently than other people look at life. And in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, wow, I went through a whole bunch of notes here. I'm going to say this just so you go, ah, oh, good. I'm almost done. You know what that means? Nothing. All right. <clears throat> Colossians 2, 7 says, let your roots grow down into him. Into who? Him. Sink your roots down into what Jesus has done and let your lives be built on him. 
Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Sink your roots deep into Christ. That's the perspective that will bring change into your life. It's the perspective that will bring freedom into your life. It is the perspective that will bring life into your life. And again, people don't see the frame that you're operating with. And you can't look at other people necessarily and see the frame that they're operating with as well, which is why we encourage, which is why we should always be quick to bring words of encouragement rather than words of discouragement into people's lives. Well, if you just do this and that. Well, you don't know. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their current giant is, what their current battle is. And so... When you change your perspective, and you're sinking your roots deep down into Christ. You know, the thing that I think that's really interesting is that with David and his brothers, they all saw the same thing. They all saw the same giant. They heard the same words. But they were looking through something differently. And what they were looking through caused them to see the giant differently. Sometimes sometimes you can't change what you see. You can't change the picture. You can't change what's going on. But you can change how you look at it. And it's in the how you look at it. It is in that perspective. And, and, and David, he began to, and, and this is the next thing, run, to after, run towards the giant. Quit being afraid. I said, quit being afraid. Run toward, and I, you know what I think some of people's biggest giant is, and they don't even know it's a giant? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I don't really need to do anything more. I'm saved. Not as good as I could be, but I'm certainly not as bad as I used to be, and I'm better than a lot of people around me. I think that's one of the biggest giants that we, we've got to fight. Got to run after that giant. We think sometimes God's just going to drop things down in our lap. Do you realize you're in a fight? You're in a battle? And this, the, the course of this life is against you? Things that go on <laughs> that, that, that aren't from God, that, God want, that the devil wants to de- derail you and distract you from. And, and, and for David, remember, again, he ran after his giant. And there were things, and, and, and we said this last week, your feelings are real. But they're not always true. Your feelings are real. And I think probably David felt smaller than the giant. You know why? Because he was. He probably felt like the smallest person out there, but he had a different perspective. He probably felt all alone because all the other soldiers, all the other army, they were cowering in fear. He felt abandoned by the very ones who should have been his encourager. His brothers, remember, you know, his, the, the brothers were horrible. David is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And the brothers are like, get down here. Who do you think you are? You're a shepherd. You should be back with the sheep. Here you are trying to do all this stuff, and you're nothing more than a shepherd. That was his brother's. And if you and I can't get past the people that are maybe should be encouraging in our life, but they're not, if we can't get past them, we'll never get past the giant. And sometimes I think God puts those people in our life kind of as practice. And sometimes people invite you to see their frame of reference, and they're the expert, and they're going to tell you all that you can't do. And sometimes you just need to say, shut up. Kindly, in, in Christian love. 
David was too focused. He was too busy. He was like, I'm not going to get moved. Remember, Paul said this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities. People are not your problem. The one in the mirror is your problem most often. (laughs) Pastor Brian, you're mad this morning. No, I'm not. I'm happy. I'm passionate. I care. Wish I could tell you that. I'm, I, I'm, I wish I could tell you that this is perfect in my life. It's not, man. What you're hearing is 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 a constant struggle, fight, and a battle for me. Wasn't raised with a lot of confidence. Wasn't raised that way. I've had to fight some giants and kill some giants. Still do, as all of us do. I said, as all. Look at the person next to you. You need to kill some giants. Come on, don't be afraid. Tell them you need to kill a giant or two. Buck up, soldier. So choose your frame. Choose your frame. Choose your frame. David knew that he was smaller, but he knew that his God was bigger. He knew that he was alone, but God is a God that says, I'll be with you all the time. It doesn't really matter what's going on. And when there was no encouragement in his life, God was there. His power was there. His spirit was there. And in all of those things, God enabled him to win a mighty victory that propelled him to more and more victories in life. Now, I want to finish with this thought because here's why this matters. Here's why this is important. I could close here and it's a fun service, good message, but that's not what I want to do today. Now, let me just say to you, you don't have to do one single thing this morning. In fact, most of you, you're already born again. You're a follower of Christ. You're a Christian. You don't have to do anything. You can take everything that I heard and say, that's nice, Pastor Brian. That's really good. Don't have to do anything if you don't want to. It's your choice. You can be an object at rest and stay at rest. You can be an object in motion, stay in motion. But here's what's at stake if you don't fight the giants. Here's what's at stake if you don't identify the fear in your life, the giant that is stopping you. Here's what's at stake. It's the first part of James. Verse 2 says, My brother, encounter all joy when you fall into various trials which is counterintuitive. It's not what we do. If your snowblower didn't start this weekend, if your car didn't start this week, uh, if it was cold, you didn't probably count the joy. Some of you actually did because you remembered what we talked about last week. I don't know what lesson I'm supposed to learn. (laughs) But I don't think this was necessarily intended, the trials of life, I should say, wasn't necessarily intended for snowblowers that don't start. Because the people that James were talking to We're going through some real stuff. And it was tough. And there was a battle just to even live, to stay alive. And that's sometimes our issue and our problem. We don't face stuff like that. Our biggest battles, our biggest fights is where we're going to go eat. Toughest decisions that we make. Sometimes we can't even relate. He goes on and he says, my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials knowing, knowing, I want you to know this, the next couple of words, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, it produces. You don't have to do anything with anything we've talked about in all of this series, not a thing. Most of you still go to heaven, but understand something. Sometimes trials come into your life to try to produce something. And I, get, I hear people and we argue, we fight about, there's, there's church camps, church divisions. Some people say, well, God sent this on me and God's trying to show me something or God's trying to test me or God, why is God doing this to me? Can I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter. 
I said, it doesn't matter. Other people, well, I'm under attack. It's the devil. He's attacking me. Can I tell you this morning? It doesn't matter. Some people, it's like, you know, well, you've made some, some bad decisions and bad choices in your life, and that's why you're suffering the consequences. We go, well, you're a hater. I don't like what you're telling me. Can't be that. It's either God or it's the devil because if it's God doing it or if it's the devil doing it, then I can stay the same. I don't have to change. But even that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the problem, the test, the trial comes from God. It doesn't matter if it came from the devil. It doesn't matter if it came because of bad choices that you made in your life because what is going to put you over, whether it's God who is giving you a test to graduate you to another level, whether it's the devil who is trying to move you off course, or whether it's a decision and a choice that you made, whether knowingly or unknowingly, the response has to be the same. It has to be a response of faith that, God, ultimately, I trust you, and yes, I may have made some mistakes and Lord I don't know what's going on I don't understand but I believe this that when I fight this giant and when I win this battle you're going to approve me something is going to be produced in my life that's going to help me and not only is it going to help me it's going to help other listen others listen to what he says let patience or endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect the word perfect means mature that you may be complete I hope that your desire and prayer for the end of 2019 is that you're more mature in Christ, that you're more completed in Christ, uh, living that out at the end of 2019 than you are today. I hope that. I pray that. I desire that for you. But if you're an object in motion and you don't let the greater force hit you, if you're an object at rest and you don't let the greater force hit you, The production, the producing, what God wants to do in you will not be accomplished. And who knows what we miss out. Who knows what we will miss out. Your family and your friends, people around you in this church, people who come to this church. Tomorrow night, we do first Monday around here. If you want to know what a good first step would be, a good first step would come the first first Monday. We're going to kind of pick up this theme with momentum one more time. But, but I, I tell you, it, there, should be, there should be this many people at first Monday. Let's take some steps. Let's kill some giants. Amen? Let's do some work for the kingdom of God. Let's get off our blessed assurances and get our masses moving. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, first of all, if there's some who mistake my passion, my, 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 my desire, Father, I ask you to help them see it and understand it. And Lord, I apologize if I've come across the wrong way. Father, I think it's your heart. I think you want the body of Christ. I think you want Christians to not be cowering in fear, to not settle that we would constantly be pilgrims and sojourners, that we would constantly be advancing and moving forward because there's more that you want done. So, Father, I thank you that you're working in the hearts and lives of believers in this church. I thank you, Father, that you're amassing a mighty army that we are going to praise and sing a hallelujah that's louder than our enemy. It's bigger than the giant. It is greater than the unbelief that tries to surround us. 
And Father, we're going to drown out the enemy. We're going to drown out the lies. We're going to drown those things out with an anthem and a chorus of praise and thanksgiving because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I thank you that the God, the God of all ages resides on the inside of me. This God of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death so I will not be afraid and I will not be ashamed. I will continue to possess and move forward in the ground that you have put us in. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Savior, you've never been born again and you would like to today, man, that's a giant that's got to fall. Maybe you've been sitting here for a few months and you've been hearing this, this, this what we call an altar call, a decision time. You've been battling. Man, it's the best decision you'll ever make. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never been born again and you would like to today, would you just hold your hand up real high? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just for a moment. Just want to have a quick prayer with you. All right. Hallelujah. Father, again, I thank you for this body of Christ here at Joy. I thank you, Father, that we're a bunch of giant killers. In the name of Jesus, amen.